Hello, everybody. This is Two Guys Five Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasper. This is Frank Pelican. Tonight, you're listening to episode 114, uh, which is going to be a first watch of the Hulk Hogan film Mr. Nanny from 1993, directed by Michael Gottlieb. Starring Hogan, Sherman Hemsley, Austin Pendleton, David Johansson, also known as Buster Poindexter, Madeline Zima, and Robert Gorman. Um, it has a 6% from critics on Rotten Tomatoes and a 33% from audiences. Uh, we are also joined tonight by longtime friends of the podcast, uh, Orion Wellmaker. Hello. And Michael Bledsoe. Hey, what's up? Uh, so, has first of all, has anybody seen this movie in any way i believe i've seen a part of it when i was a kid it's possible there might have been some kind of commercial but i don't remember anything about it just maybe hogan posing in the field or something like that in a field okay yeah all right we'll see if that, that happens i was barely aware of this movie i had to look it up when you when you proposed hmm. that we watch it <laughs> Okay, that's even better. Um, so, this, because I think, I don't even remember how this started. It started one drunken night talking about what movie to watch, and I think somehow Hogan got mentioned and then Suburban Commando maybe, and then it ended up being Mr. Nanny. Um, so, I, I think this is probably the best to talk about or watch for talking about Hogan's career, which will never be talked about on the podcast ever again, besides this episode, I can almost guarantee it. Um, uh, Because there's not much of a career there to talk about in terms of film. Um, So there is context to this movie in the sense that this is probably the most turbulent period of Hogan's life um, leading up and then directly following this film, just even even more so than like his racist uh, comments from like five years ago or whatever, like the what happens during this period of his life basically sets the course for the rest of his career. Um, so I think most of us have either seen or at least seen parts of like a uh, 1989's what No Holds Barred, um, and that was a moderate success from a filmmaking standpoint. Like it was an eight million dollar budget. It made sixteen million, um, and it kind of like pushed Hogan into the possibility that he could be an action star at that point. He does suburban commando, um, in 91, um, that comes out in October of 91. Uh, it was supposed to be the summer of 91 is when it comes out and it gets pushed back and delayed. The reason for that is because, um, in June of 91, there is a Harrisburg PA urologist named Dr. George Sahorian, who is uh, convicted of selling steroids. Um, Among the list of people um, that he had sold steroids to were five wrestlers. It was uh, Dan Spivey, also known as Waylon Mercy in WWF, B. Brian Blair, Rick Martell, Roddy Piper, and Hulk Hogan. Um, So this is when the Hogan steroid stuff starts, is, is that time. They pushed the movie back in terms of release for Suburban Commando about four months. Um, So it comes out in October. Um, it is um, not a success. It is like a roughly $11 million budget. It makes $7 million. Um, and um, Hogan's life kind of like goes off the hinges um, at this point. He goes on Arsenio around this time in 91. I think it's like July. Um, a lot, some of you have probably seen that uh, where he denies a steroid juice. Um, and it's one of the it's it's a. Uh, lambasted and joked about as like one of the most insincere um uh interviews of all time on arsenio uh where it's obvious that he's lying and says he tried it three times in 1983 and that was it i'm gonna have Uh, to look that up i've never never seen that (laughs) yeah i actually tried to find it for clips and i wasn't very successful um so at this time um owner of wwf uh, at the time vince mcmahon he decides that um, he's going to keep Hogan around in terms of wrestling for until they get to the next WrestleMania. And then Hogan's going to go away for a little while. So he's going to basically wrap up around March, April 92 and just kind of 
disappear and stay away from the spotlight for a bit. So in 92, this is the, um, this is 92 is the, in January is the Royal Rumble uh, that you all probably, you all remember where um, Sid um, gets eliminated. Uh, Sid eliminates Hogan, um, Sid Justice, and then Hogan from outside the ring pulls Sid out of the ring. Um, and the fans start booing him. Um, Hogan thinks this is Vince McMahon setting him up because Hogan's that paranoid, um, which is a, a, a trait of Hogan's. Um, to the point where Sid says that Hogan was crying backstage. <laughs> after the Royal Rumble and yelling that Vince McMahon set him up um, as a little nice little capper to this. Sid says that he went to Vince McMahon after seeing this and says, stuck out his hand and says, I want to thank you for the opportunity, but I'm gone. I cannot work in a place where grown men act like women. Vince says, no, 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 I'm not shaking your hand. And then Sid says, well, that's not going to do you any good because I'm leaving. <laughs> And then Vince says, well, will you stay at least until WrestleMania? And I said, okay. And that's what I did. I finished up a few days after WrestleMania, which is all true. Uh, he, he did stick around till then and then left. So WrestleMania comes. Um, this is where he wrestles Sid Justice. Hogan drops the leg on him. There's a botch with Papa Shango running out. He comes out too late, so Sid has to kick out of the leg drop. Hogan also thinks this is Vince McMahon setting him up. Um, that's funny because wasn't wasn't Hogan for a long time like he was one of the um, I, I don't know what the term for it is but he was like one of the locker room bookers like he was kind of manipulating the 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 storylines and the angles uh, that's, with Vince that's, like he was kind of yes. working with Vince closely absolutely, absolutely. Um, you have to remember if you're thinking about that though he tries to push the belt on the warrior in 90. So he's already trying to think past Hogan by this point. Vince so tries to push it on the warrior. Yeah. Okay. And then, and the warrior fails as a champion. So, and he has to go back to Hogan again. Um, but so he's trying to move past Hogan and, um, you know, so, so Hogan's, Hogan's already, aware of this. Yes. So he's like paranoid about it. Yes. Okay. Right. Um, and Hogan's paranoia is, is, uh, is something of legend now about everything in his life, pretty much. Um, so WrestleMania finishes up. He goes and films in May to June of 92. He films Mr. Nanny. Now this movie doesn't come out until October of 93. <laughs> so it comes out almost 15 months afterwards in the mean. So then he, then he disappears, disappears from wrestling. Isn't doing any promotion for the movie. Cause they've decided to push the movie back another year because of all the controversy over the steroids. He comes back in February and um, to April of 93. And this is when he forms the Mega Maniacs with Brutus the Barber Beefcake to take on Money, Inc. at WrestleMania 9. At the end of that show is supposed to be Bret Hart's like kind of like triumphant like world championship reign. And Hogan ends up convincing Vince to put the belt back on him um, because he's got a movie coming out later in the year. <laughs> Wow. And Hogan in this like random thing ends up like getting the belt put out on him when he wasn't even in a match. Um, uh, like, uh, so the, with the plan being that he they're going to have a him and Brett are going to have a babyface babyface match in June, and then Hogan's done. He's going to drop the belt to Brett. Um, he reneges on that deal. Um, and has a screw job finish and loses it to Yokozuna instead. Um, <clears throat> things that are notable during this period. One, Hogan is like like one like half of what he used to look like. Um because he stopped yeah. the steroids. It's disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like if you look at if I was just looking at pictures of um um No Holds Barred. Mm -hmm. It looks like a different person. Right. Yeah. Um so that's one notable thing. The other noticeable thing is that that WrestleMania, he comes out with a black eye. And he's, he always claimed it was a parasailing accident with him and Randy Savage. Um, but the rumors always is that Savage punched him in the face. Um, Jim Cornette confirmed this on his podcast, saying that, uh, confirming the story of what really happened, is that because Savage was so crazy about um, and possessive of Elizabeth, Elizabeth had left him 
she was friends with Hogan's wife, Linda, um, and Hogan hid the fact when he couldn't find Elizabeth. He hid that Elizabeth was staying at his house, and so Savage, when he finds this out, punches him in the face, and that's how he gets the black eye at WrestleMania 9. Um, so things are just like, kind of spinning out of control, like in Hogan's life, like the press is all over him. Every interview, he's getting asked about steroids. Um, nobody gives a damn about his movie career because it's not working out too well. Um, he's paranoid and trying to hold on to any kind of relevancy in his wrestling career, uh, where people are kind of actively working against him. So he drops the belt in June of 93 um, and leaves to go film Thunder in Paradise. Mr. Nanny is still not out yet. <laughs> so he goes to goes to film Thunder in Paradise in June of 93. The pilot movie gets released in September of 93. Um, and then it gets picked up to go to the series. So Hogan is hedging his bets at this point because he doesn't know what's going to happen with Mr. Nanny. He's still hoping that this is Hogan's deepest hope is that Mr. Nanny is going to turn him into a superstar. Like, this is going to be the big breakthrough in the family movie, playing against type, where he's like the family man. Um, so this is this comes from the first time I've ever pulled a, a scholarly source onto the podcast. This comes from the Cinema Journal from Benjamin Litherland um, in an article titled Hollywood Hawk Hogan Stardom Synergy and Field Migration. Um <clears throat> So apparently, talking to the Los Angeles Times, Hogan seemed to realize that his final New Line picture, because all of these three pictures that he was in was New Line pictures, was the most important moment of his career, suggesting that if Mr. Nanny was a hit, then, quote, maybe the big studios will take a chance on me. <laughs> Nonetheless, he acknowledged that he needed to focus on extending his abilities as a screen performer. Quote, since Hulkamania isn't running wild in the film industry, he told one reporter, I want to improve myself and become so good that I get the big scripts, big budgets, and have total control over my destiny. Mm, character controlled again. So the publicity leading up to all this is Hogan working on, working on a new image. Um, he sees... Mr. Nanny as an opportunity to get to the what is uh, he calls fully fledged film stardom, and he made this explicit in one interview. Um, so even though Hogan's character, uh, this guy says, doesn't stray far from the wrestler's image, he sees the picture as moving him a little beyond the previous vehicles of No Hole Bar and Suburban Commando. Hogan says, "I'm pretty much Terry. I mean, that's me in this movie talking about Mr. Nanny." Based on the interviews, it's clear that Polea understood that he needed to acknowledge the steroid scandal in order to move beyond the allegations, reclaim the family-friendly position that he'd occupied in the 1980s. In another interview, he claimed, the message I'm given to all these kids is train, work hard, say your prayers, and eat your vitamins. What I learned about steroids reinforces the positive message I'm telling kids. Listen to me, man. You don't need them. Steroids. Even when Bollea addressed the steroid scandal more directly, he blamed, quote, peer pressure and referred to himself in the third person as his wrestling persona. For instance, arguing that, quote, they picked Hawk out. <laughs> they were after him because he's paranoid about the steroid stuff. He thinks that he was the only one that was targeted. So he bills himself in this movie as Terry Hawk Hogan as a way to start merging Terry Bollea the man and Hawk Hogan into what he thinks is going to become the film star. Because he's not just Hogan anymore. He's also Terry Bollea. <clears throat> the, the advertising for this movie is him in a tutu. Um, <clears throat> It's on all the posters. Apparently, it was all over New York City on subways and buses everywhere. Um, Hogan is hesitant about all this. Not a big fan of the idea that him and the tutu is everywhere. Because he's starting to realize that it could hurt and alienate 
wrestling fans. Hogan, he thought, he thought wrestling fans were were in <clears throat> were in on this. Like, well, no, be- he, he thought before the- that, <laughs> like before the before the the leotard came out, the wrestling fans were were gung ho for it. Maybe, but he he's, he says at first I wasn't sure if it was the right marketing strategy. I think it installed the heck out of the hardcore wrestling fans. Their reaction is. How could you do this? Like, you gave up wrestling for this? Um, the writer here says the risks of migration between fields, acting and wrestling, were increasingly laid bare for Balea, who became more cautious about turning his back on the wrestling fans. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so Hogan is in this weird place here where he's hoping for Hollywood stardom out of this movie. But is trying to hedge his bets and hold on to his wrestling career in case he needs it. Yeah, this is awful. <laughs> so the movie that we are getting ready to watch is the hope. The hope that Hulk Hogan has to move beyond what, to him, he doesn't want to do anymore because he's 37 years old and his body's breaking down, he says. And he can't do it forever. And he wants to... Ex- his brand and his message for the kids by becoming a superstar in pop culture beyond just being beyond being Hulk Hogan in the 1980s. He wants to <laughs> he wants more. <clears throat> so that's where we're at here. Um, we're at the, at the point. So one month after this is when Vince McMahon is indicted by the United States government for being accused of distributing steroids and then that trial starts and he goes and signs with WCW and all that kind of stuff. Um, So that's on the tail end of this movie coming out. But where we're at right now is everything rides on this movie for Hulk Hogan in his life. I'm feeling pretty anxious. uh, I know. (laughs) This is the performance of a lifetime then, right? So here's what I want you to do is as we watch this, I want you to think every once in a while about Hulk, because you know Hogan got a screen of this movie. And I know he did because he mentions his kids having seen the movie before it actually was released and how his kids, he claimed his kids thought it was better than Home Alone. Um, <clears throat> wow. So I want you to think about what Terry Bollea is thinking as he's watching a screen of this movie and wondering whether this thing can make his career or not. <clears throat> Sounds that's, good. That's all I have. I just wanted to set the stage for this movie because I've never seen this, but I have an idea of what's coming. And um, yeah, I want you to just think about Hulk Hogan having everything riding on this. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate that. I definitely did not, um, did not understand the gravity of the situation. <laughs> uh, yeah it's a serious situation for sure yes yeah it's everything um it changes the course of um hogan's life and a wrestling history um as well so <clears throat> so all right you ready to start then yeah I'm ready all right hello so we've stopped at the 30 minute and roughly 20 second mark um, of this movie. I have uh, very little to say. I, um, I don't think this is funny. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, I'm not enjoying this movie. The only thing I liked was David, the close up on David Johansson's mouth um, because it made me feel like I was stoned for about like 10 seconds because of the way that it was edited together. Um, <clears throat> other than that, I'll like turn it over to somebody else. Cause um see what you think so far i mean hogan's selling you know like he's he's definitely selling that slapstick so what's the best sell so far showerhead yeah showerhead (laughs) (laughs) and then the neck neck veins like straining as he's getting electrocuted in the shower he he kind of no sold the the coronary level um on the uh, uh, the bike, he's the toughest man, man. Like he's uh, that that bike's not going to beat him. 
Just like when there's a super-powered electromagnet pulling down on his dumbbells, like, he still can push them up. Right. Yeah. I mean, Hogan's not going to land, but he get over on him. You know what I mean? That's why he's, like, no selling <laughs> But, um, you know. <laughs> this is, like, Laurel and Hardy-level special effects. Like, it's just all done through, like, some kind of, like, weird, like, fast-forwarding, like, editing shit. Like, all of this stuff. I feel like this is a pretty common, like, low-budget, early 90s comedy style. Everyone's an asshole. It's not fun. I don't know. I mean, it's just, isn't that what comedy is? <laughs> uh, um, yeah. I don't know. Um. I, I do. I'm interested in knowing what's going on with Dave, on with David Johansson. That's about it. Like, I want to know what's going on with that fucking dome. Where are these children from? The dome and the fishing pole. Yeah. 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 What's in that? What's in there? Where are the children from? Like, do do we know them or something? Is that what you're asking? Or Madeline Zima and Robert Gorman? Yeah, you've seen her naked at some point. She's the one that um oh in Californication yep that punches David Duchovny in the face in the first episode. Yeah. Uh, that's that's really good fact to know now, Chris. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. What's up with Hogan always being okay? So number, I I have a couple of questions <laughs> okay. for the group. Okay. Number one, what's up with Hogan always being like mostly naked in his movies? But like he's got like the tiniest towel. So his junk's almost got to be hanging out. So, and there's like little kids there. Like, what the fuck? Like, I, Hogan has no sense of propriety in any of his movies. My second question is they're in a home, right? So, why is there like a full, like, gym locker room with lockers and shit, like in these people's house? Right. Right. It would I make more sense. Go Sorry, ahead. go ahead. What were you going to say? I was just going to say, I think it's supposed to be like rich people shit. So rich yeah, people have like so. a fully outfitted like gym locker room? Yeah, because like they might have their friends over to play basketball on their basketball court. Yeah, they may rent it out or something. And then all take a shower together after. That tiny little <laughs> tiny little shower with the shower head that doesn't work. Well, he uh, doesn't... The, the dude doesn't look that athletic. Oh, the dad? No. Yeah. No, he's a scientist. Or something. Yeah. So I thought there were a couple good quotes. My favorite quote so far from Hogan is, out of the can and into the man. Yes. <laughs> I, meant to, I meant to make a note of that. Um, the slogan for the company on their sign was, where today is the tomorrow you dreamed of yesterday. That's that's a that's a good pickup. I didn't even pay attention. <laughs> uh, but the thing that I wanted to ask you guys was why um, why is the plot for every eighties movie that somebody's trying to steal a computer chip? And what's the modern equivalent of that? Because it seems to me like in the eighties, every movie was about stealing a computer mm-hmm. chip. I would say that's like because it's the new technology coming up that's going to rule the world. So if you got the computer chip, you uh, you got it or something. Is it like encrypted files now, maybe? I don't know. Got to get them files off the server? I don't know. Encrypted files. We watched Um. another Hogan movie last night called The Ultimate Weapon where part of the premise of the movie is that there's a flash drive that's got secret files mm. including um there's a whatever like a command prompt for like the c drive c drive backslash secret files yeah uh, that's awesome password too um yeah the thing that i'm most impressed with is the the gif potential the animated gif potential from the workout scene Oh, dude, I think that there, was gotta gold, be out there. there was some gold in there. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Like, I think you can tell that Hogan's trying. You know, like, he's not just, like, phoning it in. He's just such a bad actor. Like, he's so... Yeah, it's bad. He, his delivery is such trash, like, all the yes. time. Yes. Like, he almost dies. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't even think of a line. 
yeah, it. He's just not very good. That's it. He'd be better if he was just Hulk Hogan. You know, little brothers, you're not going to get me to go away. So, uh, I thought that honestly, his character was going to be Hogan, just like he was just coming straight as the character. He, yeah. Orion, he's playing the same exact character he plays in every single movie he's ever in. <laughs> yeah. Which is just nondescript dude with a lot of muscles. Well, No Holds Barred, he does a little bit more Hogan-esque type stuff, right? Right. Well, in No Holds Barred, he's murdering people in a parking lot because they're trying to mess with his wrestling promotion, so I don't right. know. Yeah. That's a little a little less believable than the plot of Mr. Nanny so far. Yeah, this is this, maybe this is controversial. I have seen Suburban Commando. I saw it in the theater. I have not seen it since then, but I would, I would say that based on my um, 11-year-old self, I think Suburban Commando is better than this movie. You're probably right. Actually, I know you're right because I have also seen Suburban Commando. But who knows? Like this might pick up. <laughs> They're gonna turn it around. See, the, no, around. see, you're in the Hogan mindset right now. This is what Hogan's thinking when he's watching the shit. <laughs> it's like, yeah, we're getting to the good stuff. See, right now <laughs> is the where... movie's gonna, the movie's right. gonna hawk up. Right, yeah, because yeah, because right now Big John Stud is raining those blows down. A, and he's like, he's got to like feel the crowd and like hawk up. And then the last act is where he drops the leg. You'll see. You got faith. <laughs> oh, if he drops a leg in this thing. He's already done a clothesline, so he's not opposed to doing wrestling moves. So I have um, a. I'm going to get through I, another hour of this. <laughs> <laughs> I have shots. On, if he does any wrestling moves, I have. Did you do one for shots. the clothesline? Oh, no, but I am right now. <laughs> I have some notes that I want to talk about. Okay. Um, yeah, we just kind of said it already, but this movie is like super slow. Like uh-huh. after after ten minutes, like I thought it had been like half an hour or more. Yeah. Like it's gonna it's gonna take it's gonna take a lot to get through this movie. Um, when he had the dream at the beginning, like those the still shots of everything, I thought that was like every single still shot was super funny to me. It's like crazy expressions. And uh, it was kind of cool seeing the other wrestlers and stuff. The uh, <laughs> the song when Hogan's driving the motorcycle about the fishing, that thing was hot. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't remember the lyrics, but I thought that was awesome. What was like the fucking Little Rascals, like, you know, shit? Like, what was that song? Like, Bletso, you can do a better impersonation of it. The, the one that went... Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. that's We're when like, they were they were setting the booby trap on the stairs. Right, it was their their like first murder attempt. <laughs> right, <laughs> like look, why is it just randomly that type of music for that then, murder attempt? Like, why wouldn't it be like that for every murder attempt? Like, why wouldn't you just be playing that music? Every murder attempt is different. All has its own, like, you know, tone and, like, soul to it. Like, you you gotta have the right music. You know that, um, the music where he's walking up the stairs into the guy's office was written by David Johansson, like, specifically for this movie. So the lyrics are about this movie. Mm. Mm. Like, rough. Rough, rough enough, or something like that. It's called. I don't oh, know. rough stuff. Rough stuff. That was the original title of this movie. Yeah. Yeah, rough stuff. Yeah, rough stuff. Oh my goodness! Yeah, isn't that? Uh, isn't Mister Nanny so much better than that? That is a lot better. <laughs> oh no, brother. Uh, it's not look, working d- for me, brother. David Johansson was just doing whatever the fuck, wasn't he? <laughs> like Buster Poindexter was just on. You think he was ad libbing? Like I'm just saying, it's like he's he's writing. Oh, you mean like his whole life? Just this, whole, just like yeah. this whole second part of his career after. Uh, I what mean, was the getting, punk band he was paid. in? He was in the New York Dolls, right? Yeah, right. What and then like he like thing? reinvents himself as Buster Poindexter in like '88 right. or whatever, and then just like does covers and whatever the fuck he wants. It seems. Yeah, but he's doing. He's doing fucking songs specifically for family comedies, like, and then starring in them with fucking metalheads. I don't know. I don't. 
I'm going to finish this movie because I have to. But I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't see it hulking up at all. Oh, it's going to hulk up. <laughs> I wanted to say. Oh, what else am I going to say? Oh, I agree with Chris that the the close up of the lips was a. Uh, was fantastic and like i don't know kind of creeped me out at the same time i don't know where that was coming from yeah it's like mind-blowing i have no idea what uh it reminded me of um what's his name's mouth uh fucking kingpin chris um d'onofrio yeah 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 vincent d'onofrio's face i was expecting somebody to like start sucking cream corn into their mouth like watching they should have Fucking Garmin Bozia or whatever. What else you got, Ryan? I got three more, three more things. I put on here that I don't care about Hogan's character at all. No, like there is no character. It's, it's it's like super dead. Like it's not like oh man, this guy's awesome. Like it's not like that. So so his look, character is I hate kids. Oh, right, right. I thought he was gonna say. He said at some point he said like kids are just, and I thought he was gonna say. I was, in my head, he said, "We're just too sweet," and that never happened. <laughs> that's what happens at the end, <laughs> right? <you're spoiling laughs> shit. <laughs> that's when he—that's when he comes around and he becomes the permanent nanny. Uh-huh. Just two fucking assholes. <laughs> I can't wait for that. And my other, my favorite line was uh, the lady. She was like, "I hope your blue cross is paid up." <laughs> And then yeah, the Bledsoe thing with the the gif of the exercise the exercise bike is the only thing I that the only thing that I laughed at so far because I thought that was actually kind of funny like a like like in a Don Knotts type thing. way like yeah yeah like in like this like old school like type of yeah 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 definitely it just like, feels like it doesn't use. like that stuff just feels like it doesn't fit with the tone of anything else in this movie to me like this is such a bizarre movie like tonally. And about his character, it's like, I don't even understand, like, why is he professional, why was he a professional wrestler? Like, it, it matters nothing to any of this so far, other than that he can fight. But apparently wrestling's real in this universe? Right, because it helps link you, wrestling's real in every universe, motherfucker. <laughs> it helps link you to, like, the idea that you know who this man is. You know, this is this is Hulk Hogan or whatever. Or maybe, what's his, Ripper, Rip? In um, right, part, right? right. So maybe it's that guy. But he got beat by Kamala and Zodiac and Jim Neidhart and one of the Sika or one of the Fatus. I have a question. So yeah. is he not? He was not allowed to use the name Hulk Hogan. Wait, well, his name was that. Why couldn't he use? He couldn't use the gimmick. He's like Duke the Dumpster Dracy in this movie or something at the beginning. That's his gimmick. Well, I don't think he, I don't think that's how he wrestled. Like I I I think that was like. The dream it was it was him at the time on the dock dreaming and he was dreaming of what he was dressed in on the dock. Oh, okay, that makes <clears throat> yeah. yeah. I didn't really catch that part. Oh, that makes sense then. I think that's I think that's what it, it I mean it doesn't tell you that. I just think that that's probably what was happening, is my guess. And imagine um, WWF owned the rights to that well no, they couldn't have because he used it in WCW. What's up? There's um Iconic uh, orange and whatever yellow shit, red and yellow, yeah, whatever fucking color that shit was. Um, can you see those colors? I don't know. I mean, I know what they are. Don't yellow right. and red, right? Isn't that right? Yellow and red. Hmm. hmm. I don't know. <laughs> what are they? <laughs> did I get it right? You did, yes. Okay. I would be interested to know. Do you know what color the tights were? Were they red or yellow? Did he wear tights? I thought he just wore a little speedo thing. Oh well, yeah, like the the, the underwear is like. I don't remember. I'm not looking. Let me look uh, at the picture. Uh, <laughs> you well, you're able to tell by, tell by looking at it. I know. I can't see it right now, now motherfucker. That, now that um, now that you've been told that it is red and yellow, you you can tell red and yellow apart. Um, I got some ring-worn signed trunks from Hogan's Beach Shop. Awesome. $5,000 if you're interested. Yeah, I was listening to something recently that was talking about Hogan selling his time around 95, I think it was. And it was like basically like there's a prize and you get to like meet Hawk Hogan. 
and down in the corner it like of the of the notification for the prize it says the estimated amount of this prize is two thousand dollars so they so apparently it cost two in 1985 it cost uh two thousand like that was roughly two thousand dollar equivalent of a prize to meet hawk hogan i would have gotten this wrong i thought that his i would have guessed that the fights were um red but they're not that's um fascinating that's crazy Is, that is just, there any is there any red on this outfit? What am I thinking of? His his knee pads are red. Lettering's red. And the letter, yeah, any lettering. Oh is yeah. Red. And when he was in WCW, he I think he wore a red shirt with yellow lettering. Yeah, he he, he revert. Yeah, something. he he had a shirt like that in in WWF. Oh, he had he had red trunks in WCW. They were like tie dye. Uh. He, yeah, he did have those at one point. He also had red red pants, like you know, trunk pants, like that, um, with yellow boots and yellow lettering. Um, at one point too. I am a real American. Um. All right, let's go ahead and finish this fucking. Let's thing. let's get this thing over with. Yeah. Thank you. Well, all right. wait, we're going all the way. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Okay, we finished this. It felt like it was. We started this at nine thirty, roughly. This whole podcast, like this, it was only an hour and twenty minute movie, roughly. And this felt like to me, it was like five hours. It feels like it should be two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I feel like I've been changed by that experience. (laughs) The better, right? Like I've been through it. I don't know. to answer the own question and my own question that I posed to you guys at the beginning, this is this is why he did Thunder in Paradise and why he signed on for that. Because he he watched this movie and knew this was not going to make him a superstar. Like oh. and one and just signed on to a TV show to get something some payday. I think like, he watched this movie and thought, like, this is it. Really? Like, we, we we really knocked this out of the park. <laughs> No, I don't think I don't think that. At all. How could anybody think that? He's do you like, think it, at, do you think his ego is that big? He's like, look at my comedic side, like brother. I'm I I got the best facial expressions, and my my comedic time is on point. Uh, Me and Sherman Helmsley, we're gonna start. <laughs> I don't know, whatever. I lost Sherman it. Helmsley should have come in as manager in WCW. He should have. He would have made a good manager. Yeah, if it was five years earlier, that's what would have happened. Five years earlier, he would have been on Amen getting that Amen money. Like, there was no more Amen Amen money in '92, I guess. No, there was not. <laughs> there was not. So what? What? What did you all think of this? Like, in the <laughs> end, I mean, this movie was bizarre. <laughs> um, I mean, the pit of blood. The, the yeah. boy just out of nowhere says, well, let's see how he does with the pit of blood. And then and then in the next scene, Hogan is falling into a swimming pool and he's emerging yes. as some kind of like deem. He looks like a demonic swamp thing. Yeah. Covered in seaweed. It looks like <laughs> blood and seaweed. And um, I don't know. <laughs> like. When that happened, I had skipped a minute because you were ahead of me, and so I thought when he got he got out, I thought it was like a bunch of spaghetti sauce or something was my first thought because I missed the whole blood plot. And then there's a there's a point in the there's a point where they go back in time and they show this the scene where Hogan has hair and and uh, Buster Poindexter has this crazy huge hairstyle and oh yeah dude I think it's hot it all. <laughs> To me, it almost felt like they were spoofing the the movie that they were in. I I don't know how to explain it. Yeah, it it just it's it it seems so out of place, and it seemed like an an SNL skit or something. Yeah, yeah. I I, I don't I don't I don't I don't know what they were going for with any of this. 
Yeah, I mean, they could have just been going for comedy, but it was like they came at they came in with this whole different style of comedy out of nowhere. Like I said, tonally it was just all over the place. It didn't like even the comedy aspects of it. But isn't that really like the early nineties? You know, like they're all still influenced by shit like Beetlejuice and Pee Wee, and they're just trying to like I don't know, do it do whatever they can to to make you laugh. Those were good movies. Right, this is what I'm saying. This is the law of diminishing returns, right? Like they can't all be fucking Beetlejuice. Sometimes you gotta watch Mr. Nanny. Thought for a minute that it was gonna that it was gonna get crazy enough. Like it was gonna go so far off the rails that it was going to become good and fun. Uh-huh. Watch, but it didn't make it. No. Well, I'm I'm I'll be honest, I was continuously entertained with um Fucking David Johansson. Yeah, that that was the best part of it. Although I thought even in the last twenty minutes, he became a fucking just bore himself yeah. until he started ramming people with his head. Yeah, that, that, well, shit that was amazing. That thing was awesome. Like that was good. <laughs> yeah. But but it, but yeah. even like his performance, like in dialogue, like just like kind of fell off during that final showdown scene. Um, while I was really into that character for a while. I don't understand. I I really just don't get it. Like I I don't. There's. I don't get what, it either. He doesn't. Why did he need to be a professional wrestler at all? Well, that was kind of. I mean, especially given the setup that you gave us at the beginning of the of the or before we started the movie. Mm-hmm. And and you know, in my head, I was I was thinking that he's okay. He's trying to transition out of wrestling. Right. He's trying to become an action star or comedy star, whatever it is. But then they they force him to be a wrestler, and they force him they force him to spend like I don't know twenty minutes of the movie talking about wrestling. And so do you, do you think this in Hogan's mind is the artistic way of showing how he's ready to be a former wrestler and now become like? Oh yeah, yeah. This he's, whole thing is like an allegory. Right, yeah, he's he's yeah. telling his story. Right. Are you trying to say so? Do you think he had some sort of creative control over this? Oh, I'm, I'm, I, I know. I read somewhere where Hogan said he came up with the story. Oh, okay. he doesn't have a story by credit, just so you know. But I, I know I read that Hogan said he came up with the story because he was on the set, I think, of Suburban Commando and had watched, and this kind of checks out, had watched Home Alone. And come up with this idea. Um, I'm sure that's complete bullshit because Hogan will say that everything is his idea. <laughs> like everything that's ever happened is his idea. Um, There's a lot of people in wrestling like that. Yes. Like the more wrestling videos I watch on YouTube, yeah. the more I hear like Bruce Pritchard claims that he came up with that idea. Yeah. And Jericho Jericho's very big into like <laughs> d- doing that too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but Hogan. I guess there's a lot of bragging rights associated with it. I came up with the Undertaker's gimmick, right? Idea, right? Yeah, Uh, Hogan. Yeah, Hogan says he came up with the idea for this movie. So if that's even close to legit, then yeah, maybe it's like some sort of like message to Hollywood. Hey, I'm ready to move on. I mean, this movie's pretty influential, though, right? Like in a lot of ways. Is it? I mean, like look at (laughs) it's. That's <laughs> this. It sets the stage for like wrestlers that became really successful to make shitty movies like this. You mean like the Tooth Fairy? Tooth Fairy, fucking um. I just had it in my head, but then you guys were talking and I wasn't paying attention. Um, fuck, what the, what's the name of that movie? There's another one with like a wrestler. Oh, well, I'm not a wrestler, but uh, the fucking Pacifier, like with Vin Diesel. Oh yeah, yeah. Just Hogan. H- Hogan was a visionary. You guys don't get. <laughs> Look, this movie is influential in a number of ways because one, it ends the possibility of Hogan's movie career, like absolutely destroys it. Like this movie made 4.3 million worldwide off an estimated $10 million budget. Like, so it was a second, like commercial failure in a row um, out of his three picture deal and it completely ruins him. Um, but 
it changes wrestling history. Like if if Hogan becomes a star out of out of out of this movie, like if somehow it blows up and makes like twenty million or something like that, like the whole it, it very possibly the whole Monday Night Wars thing doesn't happen. That's probably true. Like NWO probably doesn't happen in the same way, doesn't get the same recognition, and none of that shit happens. So I mean, like basically all of wrestling history changes if this movie is successful. So again, another important aspect of Mr. Nanny that you guys are glossing over. <laughs> That's a good point though. Maybe more, sure. more consequential than influential. <laughs> potato, I, don't know, potato. I don't know if that's a word or not. Right. But right. I you know, I felt like um I felt like Hogan was pretty sincere. I don't know if, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. But I felt yeah. like he was trying really hard. He was. Yeah. He was and trying to be successful. And he just didn't succeed. And he did have, I mean, he did have a little bit of range in the movie. It wasn't right, all. Jetaying and pre-plieing or whatever. I mean, I found him pretty likable. Sure. I don't think it's, I, I don't think it's any worse than any other number of like early 90s kid themed comedies, personally. I mean, this is part of a plot of yours, though, Frank, is to, is to um, take the the lowest caliber of comedy and a mid tier comedy and say that they're the same thing in order to further your own narrative that comedies are terrible. I mean, it's not so much a plot; it's just is speaking the truth. Hmm. All right, so Ryan, what do you think of this? Like in the end, were you entertained? Um, no, I honestly liked it when. After the bad guys showed up, like breaking down the door, like that mm-hmm. was that was cool, and I liked I liked the bad guy characters, but that was probably the only part of this movie I enjoyed, except for Hogan riding the motorcycle with the fishing song. <laughs> right, I I actually enjoyed the music in this only because it's so mm. fucking dumb and random. I got like, oh yeah, yeah. The music. The music's amazing though, because it's very like very specific to the scene. It was, and as well, some of them are. Like it's time to go to bed, and the song's like, "I'm laying in bed, it's I'm time dreaming, to go to sleep. my I'm mother died, and went to heaven." Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, and who can tell the girl that like someone didn't go to heaven or something? Her right, his, dad. His what father. the hell? Right. Yeah. I was like, right. Okay. I missed that part. Yeah. She's like. My mommy went to heaven. He's like, well, my dad didn't go to heaven. He's like, I understand about losing a parent. My dad died. He didn't go to heaven, though. And she's like, points down down here? Down there? (laughs) Fucking awful. (laughs) Jesus Christ. And when they're working out, and it's like the song's like, you gotta have attitude. You gotta have attitude. (laughs) Oh, that was embarrassing. Like, that made me cringe. Like, what? (laughs) I'm bad. I'm... I'm super bad. I'm bad. bad I got bad attitude. Yeah, badacious. I got bad attitude. Yeah. Mm. Say you remember. It's a good movie. Uh-huh. I laughed a lot. There's a. They were like buffing the guys like his he, aluminum head. Best part of the movie. Yep. The pressure. Oh, no, was it? Was it? He was like the pre- no. He was the. He was saying the pressure when he had like a headache. Yeah. And he was like all about. The, yeah, no, he was like, buff and he was like, yeah, oh. it was like some more gasmic face, like when he's getting buffed. Like, oh, yeah, like his, like... his, yeah, that's the best part of the whole fucking movie. <laughs> Made me laugh at least. I liked, um, I really liked that scene where there was some that the what Bledsoe was talking about the flashback, and they had the guy with the big hair. That was just all to like show how he got, I don't know where. How he lost the hair, I kind of, I guess I missed that part, but that was <laughs> because he landed in an empty pool and his hair never grew back. Also, his skull was crushed. Hmm. That's the that's that's the joke of that scene. It's like, ah, oh, he's almost dead. Right. He's got a steel plate now. His hair doesn't grow back. Oh. Except for right. when the steel plate came off at the end, it was fucking aluminum foil wrapped around like a piece of tin or something. Yeah, so what happened there? Like, is, is his brain, like, exposed or something? Well, I think he Wherever. got blasted off into space. <laughs> into space, yeah. That's all I could somewhere. think about was... That's all I could think about was his exposed brain. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'm, I'm gonna be honest, me too. <laughs> as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh my god, I wonder what his brain feels like if you touch his exposed brain. <laughs> what do you think it feels like? Oh, I had to beat my my uh, microphone. Like that. that thing feels like one of those bog ones. That's got like a bog one brain. Uh, can, you, can you put your hands in it and make his eyes pop out? <laughs> yeah. In, in his bog brain. In his brain. Make his brain pop out. <laughs> you control his eyes by putting your eyes. Fingers in there and moving them. You wiggle your thumb and your pinky. And oh, his arms you, move. you were thinking about what it would feel like if you put your fingers in his brain. Yeah. What oh. did you think I meant? I thought you were sympathizing with the dude and wondering what it would be like if somebody like <laughs> put, like you're putting yourself in his position as somebody put their fingers in your brain. What if I got shot out of a <laughs> shot out of a shot through a roof and I lost my metal brain <laughs> dome? <laughs> And then somebody stuck their fingers in it. That's an awful thought. <laughs> I was going to say a couple other things. I liked, uh, well, I, I like the, the boot music. The music when he's having the boot is super hot. I forget how it went now, but at the time I was. Uh, it was just like a bunch of random that. guitar. It was like a bunch <laughs> of random guitar, like. <laughs> Why, what was the deal with everything always being electrocuted or there's always something shocked shocked or something like all the they, time they they had that wallet gimmick like three times like, yeah there's a lot like, there's a lot of like electrocution in this movie yeah that seemed like super overused like, <laughs> if they're trying to do some Himalayan <laughs> comparison those are their best well this whole crap. this whole movie was like Right, it's like that's what happens. Hogan like saw Home Alone is what he claims, and like was like, "Brother, I want to do this movie where like is like Home Alone." <laughs> that's that's what happened. Except Home Alone, it's yeah, it's a bunch of boobies. Except for he's the good guy. Like that's what he wanted. He wanted to be the good guy in okay. the movie, even though. But this, <laughs> but this is this this movie is. Is attempted murder. Yes, right. It's not, oh, yeah. it's not booby traps. They're pranks. It's not pranks. They're pranks. Even the the last scene in the movie <laughs> is a murder. Well, right. He's probably dead. Sean Armstrong's dead. <laughs> he is definitely dead. <laughs> he went over that motorcycle like sixty miles an hour. <laughs> right. And with the handlebars with no helmet. They just freeze right. frame on his face. That his, freeze frame was hot. <laughs> his death mask. I will say that freeze frame is pretty good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Still, we're going to find the gift of that exercise bike later. <laughs> There's tons of clips on this on YouTube. Like, nothing exists in terms of media about this on YouTube. Only, like, scenes of this. So, I this has to be, like, to some degree, like, a cult hit or something like that. Like, there's people that, like, love this movie and... Watch it to make fun of it. I think. I mean, I can definitely see that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think I didn't think it was that fun enough that I would rewatch it ever again. Honestly, <laughs> I'm gonna put it on to go to sleep tonight. Yeah, I mean, I can't I can't see myself treating it that way, but I could see uh-huh. some, somebody else uh-huh. getting like getting sure. into it like that. I can definitely see somebody like that was like watched it 20 years ago. Like you know, I mean, kind of like we did with like Demolition Man, like. It definitely has enough stuff. There, there's and, another and like, podcast out there where there's like two people sitting there, like you know, talking about like how like Mr. Nanny's actually good upon reexamination <laughs> twenty years later. <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely enough weirdness, and the context is weird enough, and um, that you could kind of dig into, dig into that. Yeah, from that perspective, but I mean, not from the good perspective, but from the cult hit, right? <laughs> I want a I want a compilation of all the headbutts from the uh, the metalhead guy, like ramming people, like Ram Man. <laughs> yeah, I, that's got to be out there. I was wondering why they were going, like why they were going so hard on the Ram Man move, and then. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was all set up. It was all set well, up. They're, 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 
Right. They're like they're spamming. They they spammed everything. This they movie. did. They did. They spammed the punches. They spammed the elbows. They spammed the electricity, and they spammed the headbutt. Yeah, that's exactly what they did. You think they did so much electricity because they ran out of like ideas for the props or something? Because it's believable, man. They're trying to set a tone where like you can believe this could actually happen. Hmm. Frank, why do you just make random comments? <laughs> do you really believe that? No, of course not. That's ridiculous. <laughs> There's a it's a fucking like creative trying create, try to analyze. Right, it's a creatively bankrupt movie. There's nothing to analyze. It's a fucking, <laughs> the fucking vanity project for one of the most vain people that's ever lived. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing is like we're never going to talk about Hogan again because I mean Hogan's a piece of shit. <laughs> Like, Hogan's proven himself to be a piece of shit throughout time. Like, and it's one thing to be egotistical. It's another thing to be, like, you know, a racist and, um, you know, all those other things that have been exposed in, like, the past, like, ten years. Like, um, so, yeah, like, I... I thought this... That's why I said I think Mr. Nanny is the perfect movie because it's, like, basically, like, the the end of his career to hit in his mind in his like fucking warped mind this is the end of his career except for he had complete creative control in his wrestling career and would make like fucking like five million dollars a year like based off of all of his back end deals um for the rest of his like you know for another like fucking six years um like <laughs> Like, so, th- this is the kind of, like, fucking dude this guy is. is like, because he didn't, like, make $20 million a picture, um, he thought his life was, like, kind of, like, half failure. How soon after this did he go back to um, wrestling? So... Seven minutes? <laughs> that's, that's, not, that's actually not <laughs> far off. Oh. Um, so, this gets released in October 93. The McMahon trial starts in November 93, is when McMahon gets indicted. Um, he starts filming Thunder in Paradise as once it's greenlit in December of 93. At that point, um, Okerlund is in WCW and visiting him because they're basically they're filming right next door to where WCW is filming. And at that point, like Hogan's like talking about how wary he is already of filming this TV show and the, and, and the grueling schedule um, of filming a television show. So Oakland goes back and like tells him what Hawk said and Flair and Bischoff come over to like the set to visit him. Um, and Flair calls him first and is like, hey, I want to bring over Eric Bischoff, who's now in charge of WCW to come meet you. And he signs with WCW like um, in May of 94. Um, But I think he also knows that Thunder in Paradise isn't getting a second season at that point. Yeah. Um, So he signs and appears within the month of May. He testifies against Vince in June. um, Sorry, July of that month. Um, uh, Yeah, July 94. So was he in WCW for like two years before the whole outsiders thing yeah yep not that was 96 so yeah he he was basically almost two years to the day um was he was there for that so in the in the trial the last thing like to kind of cap maybe some of this off is um he's being questioned in this trial and so they ask him <clears throat> Uh, about here it is. So they ask him about the they ask him about the steroid stuff, like you know, and the publicity behind it. It's like the defense attorney says, "Did you feel badgered?" Balea, yes. To this day, does the question of steroids come up in every single interview? About eighty-five percent. Before and after the Zahorian trial, you gave untrue statements to the press. Yes. In particular, the Arsenio Hall show, yes. Is it fair to say that you did not give a complete story on the Arsenio Hall show? Yes. What did Vince McMahon advise you about that? He didn't think it would be a good idea to go on the show because it was not the right format. 
What did you? What did he say about seeing the grand jury? Tell them the truth. When you gave untrue statements to the media, was it to defraud any agencies or obstruct any investigations? No. You felt the use of steroids was personal? Yes. Bad publicity for you? It turned out that way. Did you receive immunity? Yes. Did you feel you committed a crime in regards to steroids? No. At the time of the grand jury, were you involved in the promotion for the film Mr. Nanny? Yes. <laughs> was there talk of Thunder in Paradise occurring? Yes. Did you talk to Vince McMahon about a comeback to wrestling? Yes. In order to get money and exposure for your TV show? Yes. Mm -hmm. Fair to say Vince McMahon helped you start a new career? Yes. You are currently under contract to rival WCW? Yes. You signed a contract with Ted Turner? Yes. Is he the owner? I don't know who the owner is. <laughs> you signed a contract to wrestle with Ric Flair? Yes. You were performing this Sunday on pay-per-view. Yes. <laughs> That's the defense attorney asking those questions? Yes. So did they, just do, did, did they just do that so all that could be a public record so you could hear about Thunder <laughs> and, 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 and to promote, I think, to the upcoming pay-per-view that summer. <laughs> That's, yeah. That's part of his deal. <laughs> it's, it's Hogan Flair pay-per-view, man. <laughs> yeah, it's on. part of Hogan, like Hogan's deal. So Mr. Nanny is technically referenced in a federal fucking trial i don't know how many movies like that we've talked about on this podcast have that claim there should have been more mr nanny mr <laughs> nanny too i'm ready you gotta find out what happens with sherman helmsley and the, the housekeeper woman racist bullshit Oh, I want to know where the dude <laughs> shut up into the sky. Where, where'd he go? <laughs> he like turned into a shooting star or something. It was like going home. Uh, all right. Anybody have any else thing? Anything else to say about this? I'm, I I I don't. I have for a while. I want Frank to tell me about his Taco Bell commercial. Hmm. So we were watching this on Tubi, just for clarification, um, and we all got commercials, but Frank got, uh, I think, disturbing Taco Bell commercials. Several times. Yeah, so I got this, um, targeting, Taco Bell has... Targeting this, Frank. Right. <laughs> they hear me talk about Taco like, I haven't eaten Taco I've eaten Taco Bell once in, like, the past year, so I don't know, but... Um, but how many times have you thought about it? My God, every day. <laughs> Like, I swear to God, once a week I say, like, why the fuck do we not have a Taco Bell in Northeast? Like, it's ridiculous that there's not a Taco Bell down here. <laughs> um, what would so you get a, right now if you had to go to Taco Bell? Well, I'm not hungry right now. No. Like, well, if okay, I was, that, that's, that's fine if you're, you're not that hungry right now. But what would you get if you went there right now and you had to get something? Um, I'd be not that hungry. <laughs> I'd get two of those 99 cent like spicy burritos and probably a soft taco supreme. <laughs> okay. That's Frank not hungry. <laughs> so what happened on the commercial? What happened? Oh, the so it's a new kind of chalupa, but instead of having a fried tortilla shell for your chalupa, you have a piece of chicken breast that's been pounded flat and fried in the shape of a taco shell. That's then filled with chalupa filling, which also includes chicken. So that's it. I guess maybe it's it can't be keto friendly because it's fried. I don't know. Sounds awful, right? It just sounds like <laughs> like that's a heart attack immediately. Like <laughs> as soon as you eat it, he, he's your, that much he's he's just going to listen to this and is going to tell us how it is in about ten days. Right. Does Heaster like the Taco Bell gimmicks? I, I don't know if he likes the Taco Bell. Heaster likes gimmicks, I think, like in terms of food. Yeah. If, he if definitely likes deep fried shit. Like if it he, seems weird and he can like post about it on Facebook, right. Easter will go and try it. Right. That's like that goddamn Halloween fucking whopper. Oh, that I Heaster, got that. Yeah, we all did. It was disgusting. But like <laughs> Easter was like like wanted to like Easter never would eat fast food, but he wanted to get that so he could talk about um he can talk about it online. 
Right. So that fucking, that fucking Easter, bur- let us know how this chalu- chicken chalupa chicken thing is like. Because he's Easter like the fucking um Wendy's or not Wendy's uh KFC sandwich that was two chicken breasts with chicken sandwiched in the middle. Do you remember that thing? I do not or, remember yeah, that. Yeah, I remember yeah, I remember that thing. It was like two chicken breasts that were deep fried, <laughs> grilled chicken and toppings in the middle, and you held the oh. two deep fried chicken breasts and ate everything as a sandwich. <laughs> It's like the most. <laughs> it's the most fucking like. I remember that. That's the most absurd thing I've ever heard. Right? It's yeah. like this abjectly disgusting thing that makes no sense. Like it was like somebody was making a joke in a meeting, and somebody else was like, "You know what? We're doing it." <laughs> oh, it's like some kind of like spite meal. Like it's like it's like. It's like somebody like, comes like, to somebody comes in the meeting with some bullshit. It's like, oh, that's what you got. <laughs> it's like, I sure, been having, let's do it. I haven't been having immense chest pains, and I've been able to breathe <laughs> easily recently. What can I do to correct this? Yeah, uh, fucking triple tri- triple meat, goddamn fried sandwich. All right, well, Taco <laughs> Bell and KFC is not giving us any. Money ever at this point. So, wait, I mean, we, whatever. We, I love we Taco Bell. Them. <laughs> I look. I'm I'm a very big fan of Taco Bell, but you know, there's got to be limits to all things. Like Tubi needs to start giving us money, though. They should. We 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 promote Tubi all the time. The other night, I sat here and flipped through horror movies on Tubi. I got up to yeah, tell them real quick because I want to get Tubi money. Four thousand and some. <laughs> Right, and I added like eighty to my uh, watch list. And you had like shit in the two uh, thousands that was like really good. I had shit in the four thousands that was really good. It was crazy. Yeah, two beats the truth. I don't mind watching a commercial once. Fantastic in a while. service, exactly. Yeah, free movies all around. Just some ads. Better than crackle. Don't talk shit on crackle. I don't know nothing about new crackle. Sony's not giving us anything, Frank. Come on. Um. All right. Anybody else have anything to say here? Nope. Butzo wants nope. to go to bed. Butzo, Butzo wanted to go to bed an hour, hour and a half again. Maybe it was really slow. It's the last thing yes. I got to say. <laughs> right. Yes. Already planning how late I'm going to be to work tomorrow. So. Oh, I want to say one last thing is that I thought there would be more. Wrestling moves, so we only got a we only got a clothesline and like a yeah. punch and back elbow, and that was enough. yeah, yeah. Was you didn't do a shot for the back elbow, did you? No, so I needed to do one shot. I like, got to get right. up at six tomorrow, so everything's good. All right. I'm getting up at five tomorrow. <laughs> you <laughs> got to be in at six, right? Yeah, yeah. Get up at five and do that shot. <laughs> mm. Now we're talking. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. We'll be back in two weeks with the top five horror movies of 1995. Oh, we got a break next week? We do. Fucking A. All right, cool. (laughs) See you in two weeks.